sitting in my den. And here, I want to I set this up just a little bit because Pastor Scott, you've always heard him say the faith it took him to get to Camden. He preached it last week in his Now Faith message, what it took for him in that living room for him and Stephanie to go, Camden? Where is Camden? For the excitement he had about that question, so did I. Let me explain. So anyway, I'm sitting in my living room Friday evening, been to tell on myself, checking out some Facebook. All of a sudden, I run across this little dude just come to the meeting, come to the vision, oh, no, 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 at the perfects. And I'm like, for three questions. First, who is this? The second is, is really he from California? And my third and most important question is, how did he get that woman? <laughs> Praise God. He knows I love him. I, I have joked with him about that. He is, he is cute like a bear cub on a hickory nut. I know how he got her. So there you go. I just want you to understand this. The message that he's bringing you that it took, I want to confirm that. Y'all ready? So anyway, Friday evening, I'm looking through. I holler at my wife. She's in the den or up in the living room. And I said, hey, let's go invite this pastor into our hometown, into, into Camden. This is not my hometown. Mine's El Dorado. But let's invite him in. So we go down. Saturday morning, I meet Ty, which he's not here yet, which I'm going to get on to. And uh, uh, I think uh, Stevie was there. And I remember a few other ones just in passing. If I forget you, I, do, I am sorry. But anyway, so we go, we hear this big spill, all this other stuff. I didn't like him, but my wife did. We go home, and I told him about this later on that I really didn't care for him. And he said, that's okay, I'm, I'm good with that. So about a week later, my wife comes into the den. I'm reading or doing something. All of a sudden, she says, hey. She said, I got woke up with a vision. I said, what's your vision? She said, we need to go help Scott. And I said, uh, okay, I'm a believer in the word, and that's what I tell people. I'm a different kind of believer because I believe what this word says. I believe what it states. I believe it when it says the Bible, and I believe it at the end when it said this is the end. That's what I believe. And when she said that, I said, hey, let's test the spirits. Call him up. Calls this guy up. He almost burst out in tears because he needed help that bad. He, he just had a few people he was associated with. So we had a group that was coming to our house made up of many churches. There was about 20-something of us. That next Thursday, we come to this building with a big old stack of pizzas, 14 people, and we started to work on this church. And we started from ground zero when none of this was here. And I seen the frustrations of Scott. I seen things just, you know, how his struggles are real, but he always kept his composure. And I said, I, I like this guy. He ain't worried about nothing. So anyway, long story after that, a guy that was in our group had just quit his job listening to the voice of God, and all of a sudden he says, man, the Lord has gave me something on my heart. He keeps saying, go build the house. He said, I ain't no carpenter. What am I supposed to do? He calls me the next day. He said, I know what I'm supposed to do. And I said, what's that? He said, I need to go help Scott. For one month, he was a weekly employee. Not Scott. I don't think Scott paid him if I'm wrong. I'm sorry, but I don't think Scott paid him. This dude showed up every day to work in this house, to lay the floor, paint. Robert Schwartz painted these, if y'all know him. We painted a lot, floored, everything, stood up these walls, all of it. And I was sitting there debating. I was like, you know, that's a good testimony, number one, of how a man can stand in faith for something that he believes. But I was thinking on the other side of it, I, and that's what I got to thinking about is it's a good testimony and it's a really good deal to walk through. But to me, the most important thing was the three that this church was intended for my eyes to see. And number one, 
was all the people that were baptized right out here. I don't remember. It was a bunch. But the one person that stood out in my mind the most more than that was his brother Bobby that took his shirt off out there, received Jesus, went under the water, and was reborn in Christ, his brother. When all of a sudden it turns around, this woman, my wife, met a man at the Chittister Post Office. He come help build it, got saved, got married, and he sits back here. Tony, where are you? Maybe he's outside. That's fine. But it's Tony. Tony has a lot of skin in the game, and that's why I said is that's how I became skin in the game. I come here for a year. I started on the bass, moved over to guitar, played a little lead guitar. But when the Lord said, it's time for me to move you once again, I was obedient. Even though Scott didn't agree, it doesn't matter. I have to follow the voice just like you do. And that's what we're sitting up today is that voice that we hear and what is spoken over us. But before we get started, before we go any further, is can we just stand just for a minute? I like to turn this service over to God. Let him do his will inside of this. But we also definitely, every day this week, I, I beg you and plead with you, every day before you lay down, before you get up, it doesn't matter. Whatever your prayer time is, please pray for your pastor. I, I beg you with all of my heart, pray for your pastors. There's a lots of moving and shaking that's going on right now in the bigger pastoral realm that's scary. Pray for your pastor. Pray for his faith as Jesus prayed for Peter. Remember when he told Peter, he said, I'm praying for your faith. I'm praying for your faith. Pray for his faith. Let's bow our heads. Ooh, Father. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this opportunity, Lord, that we could come together as brothers, sisters in Christ. Lord, to lift up this man we call Jesus, to, to set your will in front of us, Father, what you have spoken, what you have done. And, Father, as we get into your word, Lord, I turn my voice and my body over to you, Father, that you will say what you need to say, Lord, that it will be received through the Holy Spirit, Father, at what needs to be heard. And, Lord, as we pray over this, Father, we bind the spirit of fear and, and of, of everything that comes with it, Lord, and we release the spirit of faith. And, Father, we love you. We thank you for this time. Thank you for opportunities. And, Father, we pick up our, prayer, our, our pastors in prayer. We pray for a safe return home to us. But more than anything, Father, we pray for peace. We pray for everything that your word says about it. Father, we pray over them that they will receive all of theirs. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I didn't know what to do with all this, but we'll... We're going to buy Scott a bigger podium. I know that. But um, anyway, like I say, I'm humbled to be here, but I struggle with this message because this is not a message that I normally normally bring. I've always been a jokester, uh, you know, just say what's on my mind, have a good time with it. Yeah, and I try to bring it more from an evangelist heart because that's what we do. I go into the streets every week out here in Camden from spring to late, late, almost early winter, and we preach the gospel. We tell everybody about it. We do it with snow cones and popcorn, and I hope to see some of y'all there this year. We've got a lot of stuff coming up, a lot of good stuff, but that's what I say. I bring it from the, the evangelist side, which all that means is get your, get your rump off the stump, put your feet in the street. That's all it is. That's the message. It's exciting. It's new. It's, it's fun, but this one I struggled over because I, I can't be that person today. But keeping with, the, keeping with this message of faith that Pastor Scott's been talking about, 
And I know y'all ended up last week, but I want to tag off a few things even back through the month of December because it was a lot of, of faith. But to me, when I say faith, there is a plethora, plethora of these divisions that come under faith. And I mean, you're, you're talking spiritual faith, fleshly faith, um, genuine faith, unseen faith. There is so much of a, of a bracket that falls under the, when we say the word faith. And uh, as I listened, I, I just sought the Lord on what to say in this faith moment. But I've been writing a series to myself called Keep It Simple, But It's Tough. And I encourage you to write your own sermons, write your own stuff, because you can't preach it or teach it unless you live it. Everything that I say today, I walk out through my life every day. And as a witness to me, I have one here. And I do my dead level best to put the Word of God in front of everything, my marriage, my everything, but like I said, when we talk about this word faith, it also comes to mind that you can have faith, but you need a couple words to put it together. And in my personal experience, it's been trust coupled with belief. You can believe and not have faith. We, we see that evident in James chapter 2, verse 19. I heard Pastor Scott say this. He said, you, you believe this one God? Good. Even the devils do that. They believe there is a God. They spoke to Jesus on the, other side of, on the other side of the lake, did they not? They knew who he was. They believe, but they don't trust, and they have no faith in him. So understand, you can still have one word and still miss the other two. So today as we come, I just want to bring this faith, trust to belief. Faith is the root. Trust is the action. Belief is the end result. And it ties them all together, and I pray that it hits you right where you are so that you can understand what I'm trying to get to. So I was thinking, Lord, what can I bring to a people to explain this faith, trust, and belief? And it comes out of Genesis 22, starting in verse 1, and I pray everybody knows the story of Abraham and Isaac when he takes him up to the mountain. I want to read the instructions. Can I? Can I teach just for a second? It says in verse 1, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, Abraham said, here I am. I forget you don't answer that. That's the old one. Verse 2, he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, go into the land of Moor and offer him, here is a burnt offering on the mountain that I will show you. Well, guess what happens? Next morning, Abraham gets up. Cuts the wood, grabs two boys, gets Isaac, and they're headed out. As they're going up along the wall, or up along the, the mountain there, which God showed them, you heard Isaac say, Father, I've got the fire, and I've got the wood, but where is the sacrifice? He said, God will provide. I just read you the New King James Version of that scripture. Where did you see in any of that he said he would provide? He didn't. But let me tell you why I say that, and I pointed right at Abraham for this one, because he had belief that God, who he, said he, said he, who he said he was, and he had faith that his word was going to come to pass. But he had to trust them to, to bring it to life. I don't know many of us would get up in the morning and be happy to take our son to slaughter, especially being at that old of an age, knowing these things, my baby boy, I've got to go kill him now. But Abraham knew that there was a promise to be made. It said, your descendants will be numbered as the stars in the sky and the sand of the sea. So he had to know if, Lord, if I don't understand what, 
what this is, is going, but what I do understand is I gotta have a seed. I've got a promise to me. Lord, you made it. You, you can't break your word. You can't do that. Did he know that at the time? No. That's why it was counted him as righteousness for faith. But inside of that faith, he had to do a few other things too. Who, did he ever know that as him and Isaac walked down, down that mountain, which he had already told the two boys, he said, y'all stay here. Me and the lad will go yonder if you want to go back to the King James. Me and the lad will go over yonder to worship. First time worship's ever mentioned in the Bible. Look it up. You think he knew when they were coming down that God's son was coming up the other side that the ax would not stop? Do you think he knew that? He didn't even have trust or belief in that. All he said is, I know that I know my descendants will be numbered. So he either had to kill him and have another one, or this boy would live. Something that Abraham taught us in that lesson that brings out faith, trust, belief. Even in Jesus, and I want to bring this back to the natural. If y'all don't mind, I'm going to give me a drink. Um, even in Jesus, how many people you know say, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. I go to church. Are you saved? No, man, listen, uh, you know, man, hey, I play in the band. Are you saved? Man, I go to work. I, mean, I go to church. I know. I, I read. I pray. Are you saved? They don't know how to answer. You can have faith in Jesus or believe in him, but my thing, do you trust him? I mean trust. I mean do you trust him with everything that's in you? Your marriage, your finances, your job, your health, your children. How about them children? We put so much faith sometimes in our own children, they disappoint us, right? What do you think God says to us in the natural? Just believe me, have faith, love me, trust me, believe. But on the other side of that, with all that being said, we had to get into it somehow, and that's hearing. And the one thing, and I was talking to a pastor buddy of mine a while back, and we got in this conversation, a philosophical debate nonetheless, but I'm just messing. But anyway, in que he, he said two questions. He said, and it stuck with me, does the Holy Spirit speak to you? And if so, how much? He said, Paul, I got to ask you one more question. If he don't speak to you, then uh, are you too dense to listen? Man, that, that started hitting home, and, and all of a sudden, I started hearing Pastor Scott speak out. He said, you know, he spoke it a couple of times, this one-liner that says, faith come by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, I was like, you know, well, that seems pretty simple, but I got to thinking about, and I don't know if it come up yet, uh, it's kind of a tag off of his sermon was, then faith, now faith. Somebody had to have faith then, so we could have faith now, because faith come by hearing and what? And, and what? The Word of God. Hearing by the Word of God. So that's our two questions we're going to answer today as we go through. Is um, Do you hear from the Holy Spirit? Is he speaking to you? Do you hear his voice? Do you know his voice? Do you respond to his voice? And uh, church, I'm just going to not lie to you. This book right here, these pages in this book is where we listen to him. He speaks to us. He instructs us. He fellowships with us. He proclaims who Jesus is. He reveals his nature, his goodness, his authority, and his glory. 
In his word, he speaks. The Holy Spirit makes things known. Amen. And his word is where he will speak and bless you. And as, you, as we enter into the text, I want to show you just something from the Old Testament. And I think me and Eric was talking about this morning is how the devil's a great deceiver. And this is what he says. Anytime you hear the word, these are some things that are going to happen. I always wondered, and I, and I kind of jotted this down in a note, is I wonder what Abraham heard from the devil whenever he said, go sacrifice your son. I just kind of wonder what a glimpse he would hear. But Jesus, he, he tells us these things to pre-warning that you can sit in this church, the devil don't mind, but when you get out of that door, he's got you. That's what he wants back is what he wants. He don't mind you reading the word. He don't even mind you praying. He don't mind you coming in here. But one thing about it, when you step out, we got to step out with some sort of energy in our life to say we got to trust faith and believe in this man called Christ because his blood has paid for all this. You know, and, um, but anyway, I want to read what, what Mark tells us, what Jesus was doing about the word sown, and it comes in at Mark chapter 4, verse 15, and Jesus says this. He says, these are the ones by the wayside that are the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately, and he takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. Faith come by what? Hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what he's trying to get. He is the opposition to that. He wants to take out that implanted word of God that's in your heart because he's sitting here right now going, man, I wish they'd shut up. I sure am hungry. I got to do laundry when I get home. And it's just a repetitiveness instead of getting excited for what the word of God has. Not what I'm saying, but what he's saying. What this word truly means, what this church truly means is the fellowship, fellowshipping in the word, brothers and sisters, just having a wonderful day together because when you step outside, that's when the devil comes against you and he starts, nah, that dude didn't make no sense. It was stupid. We just have him one time, that's it. That's what the devil says. How many of y'all been driving around town in Camden <clears throat> and the fine people of Camden pull out in front of you? For a long time, I fought back many, many words of wisdom that come out of my mouth. So I adopted a new phrase that every time somebody aggravated me on the road, I would holler, Lord Jesus, welcome to Camden, Arkansas. Thank you, Father. I just wanted to invite the Lord into what I was doing because what did the devil say? What did he do? Flip him off. Cuss him. What did he do? And all of a sudden, you get angry. My wife is the worst about it. She has to turn up Caleb in the car just to drive to work over at the post office. But I want you to understand is that's what the devil wants from us is he wants your faith, he wants your trust, and he wants your belief. He is your opposition. Because I want to go on and add this because I want there to be an encouragement even at the end of this, the faith, trust, and belief. And you know what? We ain't even got into this, and I'm trying, Eric. I'm trying, baby. I'm staying on schedule, I hope. But anyway, what the deal is, at the end of every church, he writes to Jesus in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, he says these words. You ready? He said this, but we're going to start with the church of Ephesus. He said, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh-oh. Word come by what? Hearing. And it came by what? The word of God. It had to start somewhere. He said, understand this letter that I'm writing to you. I'm not writing it to you because anything else, but I love you. 
That's the reason I'm writing it to you. I'm warning you. Then all of a sudden he says, the Holy Spirit gave it guidance. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Hear the word of God from the word of God. Amen. But here's the encouragement. To him who overcomes. To him who overcomes. So he makes his promise to the church of Ephesus uh, <clears throat> in chapter 2, verse 7. He says, um, I will give you from the tree of life, which you can eat, is in the midst of the garden of par or paradise in the garden. I think I said it right. In the midst of the paradise of God. Oh, I missed that one bad. But understanding he gave us a promise, a promise that if we overcome, what are we overcoming? The world. We are staying ourselves to the course that he made. And he says, he told to the church of Smyrna, he even says that in verse 11, he says, he who overcomes will not be hurt by the second death. So understanding he's given us a promise and every time he throws his promise out there, no matter what the church has done, even to the church of Laodicea, which comes in at uh, Revelations 3 verse 20, he says this, he said, I stand at the door and knock for anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him. To who overcomes, I will grant them to sit with me on my throne as I also have overcome. What did he overcome? overcome the devil? Did he not rebuke him with the Old Testament? Did he not overcome the world? How many times he could have gave up and said, this is it. I'm through with this. He had the faith, the trust, the belief. But he gives us a promise at the end of each and every one of them. But he says something to us in the beginning. He says, if you have a ear, let yourself hear what the church what, I, what the Holy Spirit says to the church. That's what I said is I'm not up here speaking for myself. It's what God has gave me back in the middle of December. I have studied, looked on this word, but it's not only this. I've got two more messages I've got to prepare for. But he's done spoken all these words. I'm going, Lord, how are you going to put this together? He said, don't worry about it. Listen to me and my word, and I'll show you how. I said, well, praise God. Let's do you. Amen. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to go through this. And like I said, I don't mind going a little longer, but I don't want to go too long. You understand? Because I don't want you to get too tired or sleepy. But I want to understand something today. This church means a lot to me. Y'all mean a lot to me. I can't wait to see what it's going to do. I, I want to give you a real quick testimony of uh, Word of God Ministries, which is in Shreveport. Pastor James down there, he started off for four years with 15 people. 15 people. Right now, they are worldwide. They are worldwide. He said, I never knew what was going to happen. Like I said, and even Scott, you know, we, I even help encourage our pastor because of this. You know, because sometimes he gets down. He says, why aren't they coming? I said, I don't know. I said, who you got representing them? He said, oh, good point. I said, are they listening? Are they hearing? He said, oh, yeah. He said, it's coming, ain't it? I said, it's coming. You got to at least be an encouragement to our pastors as well. They get down and out. They they hurt, man. They hurt so bad. I'm not a pastor, but I take care of about 20 young men that call me on a regular. And I've even talked to them in the midst of suicide. Don't matter. I just tell them you called the wrong one. Hang up and don't invite me to your funeral. Goodbye. But I want you to understand the sincerity of my voice is this church means a lot to me. So if we do go a little long, I apologize.
I'm sorry. But I want this word to, to instill in you so you can go out, show your coworkers, show your people, show your family, show anybody in this town because this is what we want to take back, right? Um, if y'all will turn me to um, Romans chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 1. Like I said, we'll try to go through this as quickly as possible. If you're in a regular Bible, if you're on your phone, it's the same thing. But I want to read this to us from the psalmist. He said, how can a young man cleanse his way? Psalms 119, 9 through 12. How can a young man cleanse his way? He asked a question, and he answers it by taking heed according to your word. Verse 10, with my whole heart I sought you, and let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. Amen. That's what I pray over myself to y'all. I want to hide this word in me so deep that nobody can come and take it, especially the devil. I don't let, I don't let him come against my marriage. I, I want to tell you this real quick. That's what I told him. Y'all pray for me because Friday I was in a hospital bed up in Little Rock getting my heart looked at. But you know, I told him, no matter what happens, I don't care if you say I got 100% blockage, I'm going to preach the word of God. That will not escape this church. Your pastor's out of town. I made a promise and God said, you'll be there. Just lay there and shut up. So I'm here. I want to throw that to you. Man, I'm excited this morning. I'm excited. So let's get into this. I want to start in, in uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God is for Camden, Arkansas to be saved. What it says? No. Brethren, brethren, my heart's desire is my prayer of God is for Camden. Ain't that the way y'all read it? That's now faith. That's where your pastor's heart's at. It's now faith. His faith is in for us to rise up, get off the stump, put your feet in the street. But for Camden, Arkansas, but this is written to who? It's written, written to Israel. It's written to the church of Rome. This is Paul speaking this. Paul had no idea in 2022 some big old ugly dude was going to be up here at Freedom Church preaching the word of God which the Holy Spirit had spoke to him. He had no idea. Did he write this to us? No, he wrote it for us. Like I said, he wrote this for us. Put yourself back then. It was tough to listen to. It was hard to understand. And Paul does one of the best ways. Like I said, there's a million ways we could approach this, but this is the one God gave me. So anyway, as we get into this, it's Paul trying to express the faith that he knows they got, but he's got to work through some things in this law. He works through us the same way because sometimes we have doubts and all these things. We're like, why do I got to believe in a God I can't see? I ain't got nothing to worship. Maybe I ought to build me a golden calf. Don't do that. But anyway, verse 2, it says this, I bear witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, <clears throat> being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have they not submitted to the righteousness of God? I'll say the same thing. Thank you. You're awesome. But as he says, they have a zeal for God. What is that zeal? The law. They've got no interest in God as a whole because if they did, they would have faith and they would be acquitted or uh, have faith of the righteousness of God. That's what he says. For them being ignorant of God's righteousness. They had a zeal for God, but they're dumb about it. Doesn't make much sense. So as, as you go on, we start seeing these things open up, but it starts coming out of the word of God, which is the Old Testament. 
I will boldly stand here and tell you that. That is the word of God, which was spoken through the prophets, kings, cupbearers, everybody else. This New Testament is our new covenant. It's our way of living in Christ Jesus. But let me tell you what Jesus said. You better go back and read some of that old because that's my father's word. His word will never pass away from this earth until I come back. Amen. Amen. You're right. But I want to bring out because he's in Paul and these, Paul and the rest of the disciples, that's the way they have to communicate because they have the Old Testament on their side. That's all they have. There's no New Testament. There's no scrolls of Paul or Galatians, Ephesians, Romans. None of that exists. It's all written in a prison cell right now with the hope and longevity that this letter is going to get out and accomplish what Paul, saying through the Holy Spirit, is doing. I know that was a lot to kick in at one time, but listen to me what he says when he says this about Moses. Um, he said in verse, verse 4, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Well, now we have one of our phrase words. We have faith, which he's preached in the front. They have no faith. They got zeal, but they have no faith. Now we got to bring some of this belief into the reader of this, uh, even at that day and time. So what does he do? He enters then this from Leviticus 8, 18, verse 5. And he says this, the man who, Moses says this, the man who does these things shall live by them. Speaking of the law, they had to live by the law. What do we live by? We live by grace, the grace of Jesus Christ. But he's going to go and explain this, but in verse 6, he said it in this way. He said, but the righteousness of faith speaks this way. And then he quotes uh, Deuteronomy uh, chapter 30, 12 through 14, which Moses states this, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Jesus down, or who will ascend to the abyss, that is to bring Christ up. But what does it say? The word is near your mouth and in your heart. Paul adds on, he said, that is the word of faith which we preach. He didn't make this up. What is he preaching? He's preaching Moses, he brought, he brought Moses, Deuteronomy 30, verse 14. He said, the word is near you and in your mouth and in your heart. So that's where I kind of wanted to take things over just a little bit. Because through this first part, as they are ignorant in what God's righteousness truly is, they don't understand what it means, so I want to bring it to a then faith. Is that okay with y'all? It's, it's, I find that in Luke, I mean, oh, sorry, Matthew chapter 12, starting along verse 39, where the Pharisees and Sadducees are asking Jesus for a sign. Give us a sign. And this is Jesus' response to that, is an evil and adulterous generation seeks for a, after a sign, but no sign will be given except from the prophet Jonah. What is Jesus expressing? Then faith. He has to tell them something they know so they'll understand. For as Jonah was in the, in the, for Jonah was three days, three nights in the belly of the great fish, so was the son of man three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. The men of Nineveh shall rise up in judgment with this generation in condemnment because they repented the preaching of Jonah. Indeed, a greater one than Jonah is standing here. And I'm like, man, 
This is good stuff. How are you going to communicate this? Paul's going to communicate it. He's going to bring us into that. But first, he's got to get them to understand this is what Moses said because that's who they're looking to. That's who they built their righteousness on. Don't you talk about Abraham, our father. The father, the father, the father, the father. Boy, they're going to kill Jesus over saying I am, before Abraham was, I am. They're just going to kill him. So with that being said, is he's trying to bring these faith messages in. And even, even as we showed right here, everybody's looking for this sign to happen or a sign to come in, even the people of this church that he's writing it to in Rome because he's got so much of, of different people coming in, which he's going to deal with that in just a second as well. Let's get on, man. I'm getting off my topic here, man. I told Eric I was going to do it, and I didn't mean to. Sorry, brother. I'm getting back. But anyway, so check this out. He said, let me start over in verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart, that the word of faith which we preach. This is what it says in verse 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth is made unto salvation. Confession with the mouth is made unto salvation. And I, I, I sometimes had a little bit of a tough time with this part right here. But after reading context back in Moses and, and understanding what Paul was trying to, to bring out, I understand the context now. Because I went over, I went over and read about the, the thief on the cross and how he asked Jesus. He said, If you, you know, if you are who you say you are, can I be in your kingdom? He even rebuked the other guy, remember, because he said, Hey, you don't talk about this guy. He's done nothing wrong. We are guilty of what we done. But Lord, will you remember me? And he said, Yes, I sure will. Today as I am, you shall be in paradise. So he gives him the guarantee of it as well. But if you confess with your mouth, that Jesus is Lord, listen to this word, believe, faith, trust, believe. How are you going to get it? By hearing and hearing. That's where it's going to come from. It's tough. It's very tough. But it's then faith to now faith. And it, I promise you, the light bulbs are going to come on and you're going to be like, whoa. Man, that's good. Some of you already there. Some of y'all want me to hurry up and go on. But that's okay. <laughs> the reason I say that is because the same thing Jesus said when the new convert comes in, and I'm telling you, anybody that confesses the name of Jesus in this church, grab a hold to him. Hold them tight because the devil's coming for them. Hold, text them daily, daily. Somebody, get you a group together, get you a posse, start texting them. Hey, brother, love you, man. Good to see you. And if you're scared to tell another man I love you, you're in the wrong building. You need to maybe find you another place to hang out. Because that's what he's about is some loving. Amen. Not who you are or what you are. So as we say that, we got to come into this because he starts off in um, verse 11. He said, for the scriptures say, check this out, Isaiah 28. I love this verse. Listen to what he says because he breaks all the barriers down that we're fighting today. All the hashtag uh, racial wars, whatever. Listen to what. Paul says through the Holy Spirit, which he brings through Isaiah. Think about it. Ready? Here we go. For the scripture says, whoever. Can y'all say that with me? 
made up her. Whoever believes on him will not be put to shame in faith. Isaiah wrote that. How did he know? Read the context. You'll see Jesus, I promise you. But it goes on even further because in verse 12 it says, there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. You follow me? It don't matter who you are, what you are, how big or little, what color, doesn't matter. You call upon the name of the Lord, you are his because that is what he wants. He wants you and he wants you to be with him. He don't care what you are. So I want to take this even further because this is one of my favoriteest parts as he starts breaking out. Don't cast anybody out of this church, even no matter what they are. I know they've got some zeal for God, but there's one thing about it. We've got to instill some faith in them and tell them about this man called Jesus. That's what this part of the letter's for. He's steadily trying to instill faith, trust, belief, because they haven't done one thing, they ain't heard. Check this out. Because in verse 14, let me do 14, let me do 13, because that's got some Joel in there, man. I was reading Joel this morning, three little old chapters. It's some good stuff. It says, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord, what? Shall be saved. Joel, chapter 2, verse 29, this is hundreds of years before Jesus. Thousands of years before, a thousand years before Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Who are they calling on at that time? God? Yes. Then, Jesus, now, he said, for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Amen? Y'all should amen that one. That's a, amen. Wake up. Let's go. Let's get vibrated. But in 14, he makes the turn. He said, I've told you all these things. I've quoted scripture for you. I've tried to instill that faith that this is what's going on. So in verse 14, he says this. How shall they hear unless they call upon him in whom they not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach unless they are sent? Just, just really quick, can I show you what this looks like? And I know you didn't put it up here, but, but if you've got your Bible device, taking notes, whatever, let's go over to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, and we're going to start in about verse 26. Let me read this to you because it's going to make sense of what Paul's saying right here, and it's going to make sense of a few other things. Ready? Remember, they're not together. They're apart. One somewhere, one somewhere else. But listen to this. It says, Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south along the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert road. So he arose, went the next morning. He ran into a man from Ethiopia. Have you ever seen any kind of National Geographics? Have y'all seen people from Ethiopia? They're not very light-skinned. They're usually dark people. Keep that in mind. He's, he's healing. He's still healing the boundaries. You ready? That's what we need to preach here. Anybody's welcome. Y'all come. Y'all come. Anyway, let's get back to it. Uh, so he arose and went, and behold, a man from Ethiopia, the eunuch, was a great authority under Candace, the queen of Ethiopians, who had charge over all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to do what? To worship. Who was he worshiping? God. We could speculate on why he was truly there to pay taxes or anything else, but it says here in script that he was there to worship God. Did he know God? Yes, he had zeal for God. I want to show you why. Then the spirit said to Philip, 
go near and overtake the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. And, and listen to this. When he got up there, Philip says, hey, do you understand what you're reading? This is the eunuch's response. He said, how can I unless someone guides me? He said, I don't understand. I got belief. I believe there's a God, but I'm not having an understanding of this. I need more. So this is, this is what Philip tells him. So they started over in the scripture, Isaiah 53, 7 and 8, that says this, he was led as a sheep to the slaughter, as a lamb before the shear is silent. So he opened his not his mouth, and his, in his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who will declare his generation? Well, his life is taken from the earth. This is what the eunuch said. He said, so the eunuch answered or asked Philip, he said, I ask you, of whom does this prophet say this is, himself or another man? Listen to what Philip tells him. This is so cool. Philip began in this scripture and preached Jesus to him. He started in Isaiah preaching Jesus to this eunuch. They didn't know anything about it, but had a scroll. He didn't know anything of what he was reading. He stated that. I don't know. What does it say? What does it say here? How should they call upon him who they've not believed? How should they believe in him who they've not heard? And how shall they without a preacher? I want to finish this last one with us, okay? It said, now, as he went down the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, see, here is some water that hinders me. What hinders me from being baptized? This is Philip's response. He said, Philip said, if you believe with your heart, you may. And this is what the eunuch said. He said, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. How did, how did he believe that? Well, Philip spoke to him. So I want to bring this back to the real now time because this is where the evangelist part of me comes out and says, hey, hey, let's get some fire, church. Y'all ready for some fire? Y'all ready to get cranked up and get your ministry started? Don't say I'm called to be a preacher. We're all called to be preachers. This is fun time here for me because I get a chance to speak to a group, but I love speaking to people one-on-one -on -one because I love to see them when that tear hits that, hits that eye and I know repentance is just right there in their heart. I love that because I know that Jesus is alive and well. It's a testimony every time it happens. And man, does he bless me with that. But I, I want to bring this out to us because I want to, just to understand. He says, how shall they preach unless they are sent? Church, you sent. You want some now faith? Let's do some now faith. How about, how about Mark chapter, uh, chapter 16, verse 15? And he said, being Jesus, go into all the world and preach the gospel everywhere to every creature. He who believes is baptized will be saved, and he has done not will be, he will be condemned. You don't like Mark? You don't think it's supposed to be in there? The scholars are still debating it. Goodbye, Mark. That's what we got. We got Matthew chapter 28, verse 18. It says this, and Jesus spoke, all authority has been given to me in heaven and all of earth. Go therefore, make disciples in all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of age. They've added Mark 16. I've had people come at me just over that. I'm like, 
Does that not look like Jesus to you? It's not supposed to be in there. That's why we threw him away. Because we got Matthew. We got John. We got all this writing that tells us, go tell somebody. Let me tell you why I say that. This is what God says to you. He says to me. He says to anybody who's listening. He says these words, how beautiful, through the prophet Isaiah, how beautiful are the, the feet that bring the message of peace. Then he goes on to add in Nahum, it's a weird, non, I don't understand it, but he brings this right with it and said, who brings glad tidings of good things? Let's put them together as Paul did. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the peace of gospel, or gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings and good things. But he goes on to add real quick. He adds this, and this is where this first started making sense to me, and I, I pray it makes sense to you, is how, but they not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says this in 53 verse 1, Lord, who has believed our report? This is our verse, verse 17, the most preached verse I believe ever. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing, which is a conjunction word, thank you, conjunction word together. It binds the two together, but they still can be separated. But Paul used them together. He said, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what he set up. The, 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 the one everybody quotes so much is it kind of gets diluted. That's why I want to kind of bring all this to, to help us understand a little bit. But he, he goes on to add this, and he starts getting on to him a little bit. Because he said, church, you got to tell them this. He said, but I say, have they not heard the message? And this is the part that hurts me the most is because it says, sure they have. Psalms 19 verse 4 says this, their sounds have gone out through all the earth and all their words to the end of the earth. That's what the psalmist had wrote. Yes, they've heard. The whole Israel, everybody's heard. So have we. Are we too dense to hear him sometimes? Verse 19, I, I say that. But then he starts bringing it out in verse 19, Deuteronomy 30, 32, verse 2. <clears throat> and I say that Israel know, first Moses said, I will provoke you to jealousy by those who are not a nation. I will move you to anger for the, by the foolish nation. And he goes on to add in Isaiah, is, is it very bold of Isaiah to say this? I was found by those who did not seek me. I had made manifest to those who did not ask for me. That's Isaiah 65, verse 1. And he goes on to add one to Israel, which he's speaking to right here. Like I said, that's ours. That's ours. We were lost, and he found us. And sometimes we get a little dense to hear the later directions. But this is what he tells Israel, and this is for us as well. He said, but to Israel, he says this, all day long I have stretched out my hands to a disobedient, contrary people. And church, I just, um, I want to explain something to you is what I come with today was a lot because I was trying to hurry. And, and I'm, I'm sorry. If I got too fast because I'm excited about this word and I was excited to bring it to y'all because I got really big hopes for this church. For Pastor Scott, we work together as brothers in Christ. He's a mentor to me, but we also work as brothers in Christ. He does things with me 
We do things with him. We do outreach together. I don't do it in anybody's name but the name of Jesus. If you come to that, that's what you come to, not a doctrine. And that's what we want to see y'all do is get out and preach this gospel. You, you don't have to stand on a corner and start screaming, Jesus, with the microphone, because that's stupid. I don't care who don't like it. That's not preaching. Preaching is when you find somebody, you go up to them and you say, how are you, man? It's good to see you. I'm glad you showed up. How are you? That's Jesus. Because that person could be dying. I have seen people just fall apart underneath that. The weight of iniquity and the sin in their heart, they met Jesus, not me, in me. And that's what we say is faith, trust, faith, trust, belief. Can I read something to us real quick? It just hit me. Man. Read something. Man, that's good. Let's go to Matthew, if, if you don't mind. I'm going to go to, let's go to John. Let's go to the big book of John. Oh, I love John 3.16, brother. That is awesome. That is awesome. That's an awesome message that him and Nicodemus had together. That's good. I like that. But listen to what he says right after John 3.16 and John 4. After he tells the woman who he is, what he is, and that the, the, the Messiah has come and he's standing in front. Listen to what he says. Listen to how many people got delivered that day by hearing and the word of God. As a woman, and many Samaritans, let's start in verse 39. And many of the Samaritans came from that city, believed in him, because of the word of the woman who testified. And he said to me, everything that I ever did, he told me. In verse 40, he, she says this. So the Samaritans, so when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them a few more days. And many more believed on his word. I, I put a note in my Bible that says this. It says, I wonder what the word was. I wonder what he was telling them. Because listen to the result. In verse 42, this, we, then we said to the woman, now we believe. Not just because of what you said, but we ourselves have heard him. And we know that this indeed is Christ, the Savior of the world. I wonder what he said. There are a couple of days. There's no miracles pronounced in Samaria. They hated each other. They were half-breeds. That's why the Jew didn't like the Samarian because of them being, being a, a half-breeded people. That's why they worship Jacob. And that's why Jesus tells them, he said, faith comes from the Jew. I wonder what he told them. Faith come by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Are we listening? Are we listening truly? One more thing and we got here. Pray and we'll go home. It's just too good to pass up. Hmm. I'd love for you to go on and read Ephesians, the whole chapter four. Can I read just a little bit? Because Paul takes it upon himself to give these instructions to us to keep that devil from coming in and stealing that faith, that hope, and that joy. That the, the belief that we have in Jesus Christ. And when you say, well, he can't steal it. Yes, he can. Do y'all remember John the Baptist? Do y'all remember who he was? What, what happened? 
John the Baptist, when he was in the prison, he heard the works that Jesus was doing and he sent word to him, are you the Christ or do we keep going? He says that to him. What word did he hear? It sure wasn't of encouragement because Jesus, all he had to say was, go tell John these things, get out of my face. But what does he say? Come here. He said, tell him what you see, tell him what you hear. Blind sees. And, and, and Luke, he tells of how he's healing them. He's just walking around healing people. Dead are raised. The blind see. The deaf hear. Demons are cast out. He said, go tell John this. He said, because right now he believes me. I have no faith. Even though he's seen the Spirit fall upon me. He called me the Lamb of God. Has no faith. Think about it. What's he hearing in prison? What word did he hear to make him turn around? Let me read this real quick and we'll get out of here. Ephesians chapter four, verse 20. But do you have not learned so about Christ? If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as truth in Jesus, that you would put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitfulness lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your own mind. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in the true righteousness and holiness. It's taking off everything that you was and putting on something you weren't. I'm not the same man I was 10 years ago. I'm not the same man I was 30 years ago. And don't say you can't fall, because I was a youth pastor one time, assistant youth pastor, and I failed for 10 years. I walked away and hated God. Right? It's, it's tough to say. It's hard to live. But you can fall. Don't let the devil steal what he's the word that's implanted inside of you. We come together, we fellowship, get into his word, get into Bible study. I know your pastor's heart. There's one thing that dude loves to do, and that's talk. And I know he would love to do a one-on-one Bible study right here on Wednesday nights. I'm throwing him under the bus in the name of Jesus. Start in one chapter and end in another. Yes, I threw you under the bus. God bless you, and I love you. And I know he's listening. But he serves the same God I knew, and he loves him. I know he does. That's why I like messing with him. But I know you passed his heart for Camden as well. With that being said, I always said this to everybody. I never, I never try to close anything out because I want you to take it home with you. If it hit home with you about being faithful, trusting, it leads to that belief. Even in doubt, He's still showing you belief. Can you keep that in your mind, in your hearts? Will you stand with me as we pray and close this up? Father, I just, um, I want to say something before. Just every head, 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 head bow and eye close. I tell you what, I don't, uh, I don't want you to raise your hand. If you don't know this man called Jesus, please come down with me in front and pray. If you need something in prayer, come pray it. I'm right down front. I'll tell you, Pastor, about it. If not, we'll get him on the phone. Don't walk out of this building with a burden in your heart that the devil's finna put, come up on you, okay? Let's knock him down right here in this time, this time. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. 
with the blessed assurance that we shall see you another, another day, Father, that you have gave us that reassurance of heaven, that, Lord, for those who believe and will call upon his name shall be saved. Father, we are so thankful for this day, for this body. But Father, we just pray, Jesus, the Holy Spirit anointing power upon this body in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Father, as love as my hand is reached out to them, Father, and I know you love them a thousand, a billion times fold than I do. Lord, keep them strong. Keep their faith strong. Keep their family strong. Keep their finances strong. Keep their lives strong. Lord, keep them in a hedge of protection against the evil one in the name of Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit be the tutor, Father, to show them, to teach them what's going on in this world and how to overcome it that they might partake. For those that have an ear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. Father, we just ask for prayers for our pastors, for their return. Lord, we pray for an refreshment in their hearts. We pray for their lives to be uh, uh, just a light to this body, to this town, to the ministry of God which you set in their hearts. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. Praise you in the name of Jesus.